There's a lot of work. That's right, Bob. There's a lot of work ahead of us. <laughs> so our form, our footers, our frost walls are all in this week. And I know that we did not tell you on purpose that trucks were actually showing up with steel on them because every time we've said it, they didn't come. So we decided we're not saying anything until they show up. So some of our trucks will come, keep praying. There's a few more that still have to make it. Um, and there's all kinds of issues. Uh, as you already know, supply chain issues. And uh, God is working our way through all of those issues. But God is at work. And we're seeing things happen. And we're praising God for that. Continue to pray uh, as we travel down this road of our own space, our own building. God has provided for us, and he will continue to do that. Now, that also brings me to another point, another reminder for us as a church, and that is two years ago, two years ago, this coming November, by the way, we started our Rooted campaign, which was a two-year-long campaign, and uh, the reality is now we're starting to spend the money that we uh, were raising uh, because things are showing up and we're starting to pay construction bills. If you made a pledge rooted, could you just go back? I know it's been almost two years. Could you go back and just look and remind yourself at where you are in that process? Some of you have already fulfilled your pledges completely and uh, you may be looking at it saying, you know what, I've already done that and I'd like to give a bit more. And some of you, uh, thank you so much for your sacrificial giving. Remember when we started Rooted, we said this was above and beyond our regular giving. This was us sacrificing as a church to see God uh, provide for a, a, this, this physical building for the church body uh, to, to meet in, to be in. And thank you for what, you're, what you've done. But remember, we're coming to the end of that in November. And if you could just remind yourself and take a look at that, uh, that would be wonderful. And then be praying. Uh, because as you know, materials and all that wonderful building stuff has gone up in price, not down. And uh, so we're going to have to be a little bit creative. God has provided in wonderful ways um, over the last two years and how he has met our needs already, and he will continue to do that. And he's done it through his people, and in all kinds of different ways. He just keeps meeting those needs, and so keep praying. We appreciate that, and we will keep you up to date in uh, the process. Would you bow with me uh, as we get ready to look into God's word, um, and just pray with me for a moment. Father, Thank you so much for what we've already experienced here this morning, worshiping together as a body of believers. Um, thank you for the word from Holly this morning and a reminder to us that sharing our faith here is really, really important. Living out our faith is so important. And it's no different in Turkey. People are people no matter where we are, and they all need Jesus Christ. And they need us to share the truth of Jesus Christ and the change that's happened in our lives because we've run into Christ. And Father, I can't help but think that there may be some folks even in these theaters this morning that you want to touch and you want to ask to go and to be part of the ministry that's going on in Turkey. And so, God, would you do your work by your spirit in our hearts. And thanks for Holly and what she's done already and and thanks for the blessing that she's been to our body, but also to your kingdom, and continue to use her. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the physical building, um, and we've 
been waiting, and I, I love the fact that you have done it on your time and not ours. Uh, that's been difficult. I'll be the first to say that, but at the same time, it's been refreshing. It's been refreshing because it's about you and not us. It's about your hand and not ours. And so I ask that you would continue to teach us and mold us over the next months as we see this physical building, this physical structure take shape. Thank you for how you've provided the finances. And we pray that you would continue to do that as well. <coughs> Thank you for your people and their response to you. And we're excited to see how you continue to provide and meet the needs. Help us as a church to continue to minister throughout this building process. Help us not to lose sight of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and being involved in our community to do that. Father, in the next few moments, we're going to open the word of God. And I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would be able to touch our hearts through your scripture, through your word. I pray that it's not my words that are heard, but yours. We pray that you'd be able to encourage us in our faith and help us to, to be better equipped to walk out our faith each and every day because of the time we spend in your word this morning. In your name we pray, amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd ask you to turn to the book of Joshua. Uh, last week, if you were with us at the baptism, uh, the celebration we had, uh, at baptism, we talked a little bit from the book of Joshua, and I actually want to pick up and continue talking about that this morning. This morning, I want to talk to you about a God-sized task, and uh, what's really interesting is if we look at life very long, we realize that most every task is a God-sized task. We realize quickly that we just don't have it in and of ourselves to do what God asks us to do. And actually, if we're really honest, we don't have it in and of ourselves to live our everyday life in a way that we're actually happy with. <laughs> I don't know about you, but you probably look at areas of your life and you go, man, I know I could probably do better. I know that could be different. I know that I haven't put all the effort in that I should in certain areas of my life. And so, as Christ followers, without God, and without His intervention in our life, and without the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life, we often fall short. And often we look at our life and we go, wow, I could do so much better. God is the God of the impossible. God is the God of the task that we look at and we say, this is way too daunting for me. I can't handle this. You ever been at the point where you've just kind of thrown your hand up, your hands up and you said, man, I can't go any farther. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can make it. If you're honest here this morning, you know you've been there. Maybe you're there today. I don't know. But most of what we face in life is way beyond us, beyond us. When was the, <clears throat> excuse me, when was the last time that you watched God do the impossible? When was the last time that you saw God? You were on your knees before God and you, you said, God, if, if you don't reveal yourself in this situation, 
I'm at a loss. I don't know what I'm going to do. When was the last time? When was the last time that you were at that point and you marked it? You said, look, I'm going to mark this event because this is a God event in my life. And, and however God works this out, I'm going to mark this on my calendar. I'm going to mark this in my memory so that I can look back and go, wow, that was God doing that. I didn't do it. That was God. We all face those times. And as Christ followers... Often we forget, don't we, when God reveals himself and we move on with life and we live life and then we get kind of engaged in life again and wrapped up in life and we forget about what God just did for us or how God just revealed himself. I want to talk to you about this event in Joshua's life. The nation of Israel was at one of those places where if God didn't do something amazing, they were kind of stuck. Let, let me give you a little background. Way back in Genesis, and I referred to this at the beginning of the summer, but I don't expect you to remember this, okay? I don't even remember everything that we talk about. But I, re, I reminded you of a promise that was given to Abraham way back in the book of Genesis where God told Abraham, he said, look, you're going to have a great nation. It's going to be made of you. But this nation is going to spend 400 years wandering. They're going to have 400 years of slavery under another nation. But then I'm going to use them to be a judge against other nations. After their 400 years of slavery, I'm going to free them and I'm going to use them to judge other nations. That's way back in Genesis. You can look it up. It's in Abraham's life. And if you remember... There was a great famine. Remember the story that Mike just finished up about Joshua? I mean, about, about uh, who, who was it? Joseph. Thank you. I'm talking about Joshua. It was Joseph. Remember Joseph? And there was a famine in the land, and Joseph ended up the, the number one, the leader, the number two, just under Pharaoh. And he saved, God used him to save all those people who were going to die in the famine. And the nation of Israel ends up because the family, Abraham and his family, they all move and they end up, Jacob and his family, and they all move and they end up in Egypt. And they live in Egypt and the nation of Israel begins and they begin to grow in Egypt. Well, as they grow, the Egyptians get fearful of them and they put them in slavery. Ah, there was a promise back in Genesis. And they live in slavery and they're stuck in slavery and Moses comes, remember, to free them. And there's the plagues that are, are followed. And finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here. And the nation of Israel leaves. And when they leave, the Egyptians give them all kinds of their possessions. Back, back there was a promise. And they leave with all these possessions. And God says, you're going to go into a land and you're going you're to possess this land. And it's going to be a great land. And they're all excited. And off they go to possess the land. And God takes them. And they get close to possessing the land, and guess what? Like us, they get scared. And they decide that the land is too great, and the people in the land is, are too great. And so Moses and the leaders decide, we can't do it. And they disobey God. They don't take the land. And so God tells Moses and the leaders, he said, because you were disobedient, this generation will wander in the desert. And until this generation dies off, I won't give you the land. 
Fast forward, that generation dies off, and Joshua, Moses dies as the leader, and Joshua is now the leader, and God says, it's time, you're going to take the land, and that's where we're picking it up. Joshua is now just about to take the people in to give the nation of Israel their own land. He's just about to do something that Moses and the leaders under Moses said, this is impossible, the land is full of great people, we can't do this, there's no way. And they couldn't do it, by the way. They couldn't do it on their own. They needed God. And Joshua gets ready and God says, I'm going to use you to show and reveal the greatness of God to this people. And so they get ready. And last week, we talked about a couple of things that Joshua said to the people in chapter 1 of Joshua. We said that the people needed to follow the instructions and the commands of God and to meditate on those things day and night. And if they did that, if they put that in their heart and they lived it out in their daily living, God says this, I will bless you. I will make you great. I will allow you to possess the land. I will give you success in all that you do. And Joshua stood before the people and he told them that. And now we hit chapter 3. And in chapter 3, they're getting ready to jump off to start the takeover of the land. Now, I want to stop just for a second because there's a group of people that are going to be moved out of the land. They're going to be judged. And often we look at it and say, this is mean of God. God's going to give the nation of Israel somebody else's land. But those people were not living for God. And God was going to use the nation of Israel as a judge against these people who are doing horrible things, sinning against God. And so he's going to use the nation Israel as a judge against them. And they're getting ready to start marching in to start taking the land. And there's a couple things you got to see as they start, because this is a God-sized task. You ready for this? We're going to jump in, and we're going to jump in in the middle here. Joshua chapter 3, going to start at verse 9. It says this, Then Joshua told the Israelites, Come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Now stop for a minute. I know we only read a sentence, but stop, okay? The instructions that Joshua has just given the nation of Israel in the first seven verses are this. First, the priests are going to step out first. They're going to lead everybody. And then you're going to leave your position as regular people, and you're going to follow a half a mile behind And you need to stay a half a mile behind because you don't know where you're going and you need somebody to lead you. And you need to watch where they go and do what they do. But before you follow them and before the priests take off, you need to purify yourself. You need to cleanse yourself. You need to stand before God and make sure that your heart is right before God before we take these steps. Before we walk and we follow in the direction that God has for us. And then he says, listen, come closer. Hear the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispose of the people that are before you. And he gives a list of the nations that are before them that are going to be moved out, that he's going to get rid of. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And when the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. 
The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. And when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. And now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. This is when they're coming. It's not just that the river's flowing. It's overflowing its bank. God says, look, if I'm going to reveal myself, I'm going to really reveal myself. It's in flood stage. We're not just doing this in a little river. We're going to do it when it's over its banks. But as soon as the priest carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. The water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass. And the water flowing downstream into the Dead Sea was completely cut off. And the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priest carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. Well, all of Israel crossed on the dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now, this is a miracle. Would you agree? Does that sound like something you have seen recently on the History Channel or Discovery? No, it's a miracle. It's a revelation of the person of God. Something major happened. You got to think about this. This is a, this is a million people who are going to cross. This isn't like 10 people who've got to get across the Jordan River. This is a huge group of people. And we could spend our time this morning talking about the miracle that God parted the waters once again for the nation of Israel. Isn't God amazing? This is an amazing miracle, but I don't want to talk about that. I know I told you about it, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. I want you to understand a couple things before this even happened. In that passage of Scripture that I read to you, and if you look at that whole passage of Scripture, you'll realize a couple things. First, there was preparation in the nation that had to happen. God looked at the nation of Israel and he looked at Joshua, his leader, and he said, look, I need you to go before the people and I need you to tell them, purify themselves. Church, I want to tell you something this morning as your pastor, but also as a member of this body and also just as a Christ follower. We're living in a perverted world. And the scary thing to me is that as the world is creening away from God and making choices that take us farther and farther away from God. And by the way, the nation of the United States, and we're no longer a Christian nation. We're not. Just admit it. The decisions that we are making as a nation go fly directly in the face of who God is and his holiness. And God looks at us as Christ followers and he says, look, I don't want you to follow the way the world is going. I want you to purify yourself and cleanse yourself. I want you to be different. I want you to stand for the truth of the word of God. I want you to stand for the holiness of who I am and what I'm all about. And Joshua came before the people and he started at this point and he said, look, you need to purify yourself and cleanse yourself and make sure that you're living different because you're a different people. You're called out. Church, you're a different people. If you're a Christ follower in any of these theaters or watching online, you're a different people. You're called to a different standard. Your God and your Lord is your master, and he calls you to something different. Prepare yourself. Prepare your heart. 
And then he said this to them. He said, look, God gives you a promise. He says, look, if you will prepare your heart and you'll say yes to me, then I have a promise and I'll fulfill it. I'll, you can count on it. I'll be the one who goes before you. I'll prepare the way for you. You don't need to do anything. You just need, you need to show up with a pure heart and I'll do the rest. I'll put the rest in order. In church, it's the same for us. We don't need to figure it all out. We didn't, don't need to have all the pieces put in place. We need to show up with a pure heart before God, consecrated and purified before God and say, God, here I am. My heart is clean before you. You're the one who's the master, not me. You saved me by your grace through, this, through your son, Jesus Christ. And I'm here. And you know what the promise of God is? That he'll lead us. He'll direct us. He'll provide what we need. That's his promise. It's been his promise for all time, for all of mankind. It's never changed. God has always wanted to reveal himself and provide for his people. That's, what, that's who he is. That's what he wants to do. And then he says this, follow my instructions. <laughs> I don't know about you. You don't have to put your hand up, but I struggle with instructions sometimes. I like to read the instructions, but I still struggle. There are times when I read the instructions, and I'm like, this person's an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. And then I find out they weren't. There are times when I look at the instructions and I say this, but that's going to take too long if I do it that way. I have a shortcut. You ever tried the shortcut? It takes longer. It's amazing how that works. And God looks at us and he says, look, purify your heart, protect Prepare your heart. I have a promise that I will fulfill, but follow my instructions. Do it my way. Do it my way. Believer, are you doing it God's way or are you doing it your own? Parents, are you doing it God's way or are you doing it your own? Teens, young adults, are you doing it God's way or are you doing it your own? Business owners, are you doing it God's way or are you doing it your own? Follow my instructions. Keep my words. Do what I ask. He keeps going with this and he says this, we all have a job to do. All of the people who were here had a job to do. Each one had to do something. First of all, personally, they had to purify themselves. Secondly, they had to follow the priest a half a mile behind. We all have a task. We all have something that we have to do before God. And every one of the nation of Israel had to do something. Let me keep reading this for you. It's found in... in Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. I won't get through it all. but So Joshua summoned the 12 men that he had selected from the Israelites. Eat one man from each tribe. And he said to them, go across to the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. And each of you lift a stone onto his shoulders, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You should tell them the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial to the Israelites. And the Israelites did as the Lord commanded them. This is really important. See, the task of the priests were, look, in the middle of the Jordan, grab a stone because this is an amazing event and you carry that stone and you're going to make an altar and that altar is going to stand. And, and every time that you walk by in the future and your kids say, why is that altar there? You're going to say, look, God revealed himself to us. He showed himself. Parents, 
How often are you standing before your kids and saying, God revealed himself to us. God showed me this. I was headed this direction in my life and God spoke through his word. God spoke through other people. God spoke through his church and he changed my life and this is what happened to me. Parents, I know often we sit and we say, I want my kids to make up their own mind. I want them to make their own decisions. And that's all well and that's all good because a relationship with Jesus Christ is personal and everybody has to make up their own mind. You can't get it. You, you, you don't get it from your parents. You have to make up your own mind. But parents, know this, that it's up to you to teach what God has done in your life to show the truth of who God is. That's up to you. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility as a parent. It's to say, look, this is how God changed my life. This is how he saved me. That's what this was about. See, it wasn't just about the miracle. It was about what would happen for generations to come. It was about the fact that, look, when God reveals himself, it's a story that needs to be told over and over and over again. It's the story how God showed up to save us. What I love about this is that each person did their job. And you say, Tim, what do you mean they did their job? Well, they all packed up their possessions. You think these people are all in tents. <laughs> and they got up that morning, and Joshua said, the priests are going to go by. And when they go by, you pack up your stuff. And you load up your stuff, and you grab your children, and you grab all your stuff, and you follow a half a mile behind, and when the priests stop in the middle, they're going to point you in the direction you're supposed to go, and you go in that direction. And scripture, if you read this, it says, and they hurried on their way. You know what? So many of us as believers are lollygagging. We are. We're just stumbling along. We're not in a hurry to do anything for God. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it says this about this. He says this, look, pack up your stuff and hurry along in the direction that God pointed. Go, do it. Don't wait. And I love it because the people fulfilled their task. And it seems so menial, right? Packing up your tent, grabbing your food, grabbing the donkey and the kid and off you go. It seems like that's what I do every day. It is. But it's what God commanded of you. It's what God asked of you. And they all fulfilled their task. And they brought the stones out and they piled them up. And the nation of Israel started out great. They kept pointing back and saying, look at the stones. This is what God did. And often for us, we do the same thing. They fail. If you keep reading the story, you find that they forgot God. Ever been there? Believer? Ever been there? Yeah. God reminds us, don't forget what I've done for you. He's revealing himself to us. Constantly revealing himself to us. When your children ask, parents, when your children are asking, what are you telling them? What are you telling them about the greatness of God? Now, I need to finish this this morning, and we're out of time. This just went way too fast, but I need to finish this morning by talking to you about this. It's found in Joshua chapter 4, verse 14. Because it matters long term. Let me give you the verse. It's how the people began to see Joshua. It ends this way. 
And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of the Israelites. And they revered him throughout his life as they revered Moses. Now, we could take this verse and say, wow, wasn't Joshua great? But that's really not what this verse is about. That's really not the bottom line of this verse. See, when we purify ourselves and we cleanse our hearts and we live the way God asks us to live, and when we follow his instructions day in and day out, and we see God keep his promises, and we take stones and we mark the memorial of God keeping his promise, and we live for God in the way that we're supposed to, and we hurry to follow God and we say yes to God and we point people to God, guess what it does? People see God in us. That's what happened with Joshua. Scripture tells us this, that people saw the very person of God in Joshua, and they revered him because God was using him to do his work. Parents, Christ followers, young adults, teens, grandparents, When you live out your faith, when you follow the word of God, the instruction of God, when you hurry to say yes to God, when you mark the occasions when God showed up, and you point people to those occasions and say, that was not me, that was God. God did that in my life. This is how God saved me. This is how God helped me. This is how God... He gave me the energy that I, he, he, this is God in my life. Guess what that does to people? They revere you because of God in you. Not because of you, because of God in you. And that's what happened to Joshua. Christ follower, when people look at you, who do they see? When people look at the events of your life, Who do they cheer for? Mossbrook Church? Because all of us as Christ followers make up Mossbrook Church. Mossbrook Church? When people see Mossbrook Church, who do they cheer for? Should be God. Should be God, not us. And this whole event that we've talked about this morning... It's not about the miracle, although that was amazing. It's really not about the people, the nation of Israel at all. And really, it's not about Joshua. It's about God. It's about God revealing himself to those who he created in his own image to show them how great and awesome he is and how much he cares and loves them. And God wants to do the same through you and through me. It's no difference at all. That's what he wants to do in us. Next couple songs that we're going to sing right now point our minds back to this truth. So would you stand with us as we sing these together and then I'll come back in a minute.